Welcome to the Entre Pastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Entre Pastors Podcast. This is John Sanders along with my friend Les Hughes coming to you today. We're happy to be recording another podcast episode. Les, how you doing, man? I'm good, John. Nice to see you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Yeah, we just want to say as we get started to each and every one of you, whether you are a regular listener or whether this is your first time checking us out, thank you so much for being a part of our listening audience. We're grateful to have you out there. So, Les, I was thinking about something this morning. Can I just... Can I just celebrate something before we get to our interview today? Man, I'm always up for a celebration. Let's go. So I was out for a walk this morning and just thinking to myself, uh, you know, as, as you and I are recording this, we're getting ready to go into a pretty busy week for both of us. We're heading down to Florida to meet up with our mastermind with Dan Miller. And then when that's done, personally, I fly home, I get on a plane, I fly out to another uh, pastor's conference that I'm speaking at and do some fun stuff around that. And I was just thinking to myself, man, a few years ago, if if you would have told me this is what my life was going to look like, that I would have, you know, meaningful conversations like this via a podcast and meeting incredible people all around the country and serving pastors and traveling. And like, it's kind of crazy because on one hand, I saw this, like I really did. I saw and thought about that future a lot. And I just kind of had one of those moments today as I'm walking going, man, I'm living in the future. I'm living in that place. And it was just a response of like gratitude to God for all he's done. And and I don't want that to sound braggy to a pastor that's in a place of feeling bummed out and discouraged, but it wasn't that many years ago that I was in a place going, man, I need I need something different. Like what I've been doing and what I've been loving doing, I'm not loving it as much anymore. And I need a shift. I need something different. And... um and now I'm living that, you know, but it took, mm. it took some action. It took some faith. It took some steps along the way. And I still haven't arrived either, by the way, I'm not, not where I'm, <laughs> not where I'm going, but just grateful. So I just thought I'd share that as a word of Man, encouragement. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Yeah, those are great thoughts and far from being boastful at all. I, I hear it more as hopeful. Yeah. You know, we received a message a very touch to me. It was a, such a touching message an encouraging message just the other day from someone that's been in our world for a while and in yours for even longer. And, uh, he's 55. We won't go into the details, but man, he was really kind of getting some momentum and starting in the journey that you and I have been on for a little bit. And that's exactly my age. When I started down this journey as well and, and living more of that, you know, entrepreneurial life, in addition to, still serving the Lord the way that he's, you know, called us to do and commanded us to do. And it's funny that you you should say it that way because of the lifestyle. So I was talking to my son, one of my sons yesterday, and um, he was, uh, we just, you know, I guess we hadn't shared with him that we were getting ready to head to Florida. Mm. We, so we did. So I did, he said, what are y'all doing? I said, man, I'm packing. And he, he looked at me and said, what are you, what's, we were FaceTime and he said, what are you doing? I said, man, mom and I are headed down to Florida. He said, dad, you guys are always having fun. <laughs> he's Amen. got, he's got, you know, he's got three children and one on the way. And, and plus he pastors a church. And he said, you guys are always having fun. He said, and then he said, John, when are you going to retire? Yeah. And I said, 
what in the world would I do that for? Yeah. I'm having so much fun now doing what I'm called to do and, and want to do. And why would I do that? And he said, man, I work, you know, pastoring and then I come home and I'm shepherding my family. And I, and I just looked into the camera, you know, and, and shook my head. And he said, yeah, I guess you don't know anything about that. Do I know yeah. exactly about that, right. you know? Right, right, right. So I'm the same way, man. I just ate me in everything you said. Well, that's awesome, man. And so to to our listeners out there, wherever you are in your journey, just know that there is hope. And um, you know, it with with action, with positive thinking and laying out a future ahead of you, pushing through the discomfort, the fear, like that's a natural thing that comes along for the ride with us, you know, like uh just pushing through that. Like there's a better day ahead tomorrow. So and and I don't want to paint the picture like today's not a good day. Today's a great day. So uh, anyway, I just it was a it was just kind of a cool moment to reflect and go, man. A few years ago, if you would have told me that the day's coming soon where I'm podcasting, I'm coaching, I'm traveling, I'm speaking, I'm I'm in just incredible relationships with people all over the country, man. That that's that's good stuff. And by the way, I got to preach three sermons yesterday. As you and I are recording this on a Monday, I preached three services. So I mean, like, I just I feel good right now. I feel poured yeah. out and. Feel good. So anyway, that's awesome. Enough about me. I just wanted to celebrate that, and hopefully, that's an encouragement to our audience out there. And uh, Les, let's talk about today's guest. What, what what can you tell us about Kent Sanders that we're getting ready? And by the way, no relation to John Sanders. So tell us about <laughs> Kent, a brother from another mother. Yeah, maybe he's we're a great related guy. Somewhere. So he's in the yeah he's in the ghostwriting world, and um, as you know, here in the last few months, I've. Uh, become a ghostwriter as well and uh, have some people actually that we're writing for and that's a part of Andre Pastors Press and and through those relationships and we have a similar we have the same mentor and, and ghostwriting coach and so I just came to know Kent a little bit through that and then he's got a, a background in ministry and so he is a kindred spirit with our tribe and this is one of those things John that that Pastors, if they were just listing, they could list 50 to 100 things, I bet you, for the most part, of things that they're qualified and equipped to do today. I mean, with, with very little extra sum, but, but not much extra training and coaching. Just, just very quickly, they could get this, this type of side business um, going and growing but I bet you it wouldn't be in the top 50 to 100 for most pastors. Yeah, they just wouldn't think about it, wouldn't even they think wouldn't. of it as an option. No. And by the That's way, right. they wouldn't. when I hear you say ghost rider, it, I, I want to hear the word R-I-D-E-R, like ghost rider. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about writer with, <laughs> no, a, with a, a T. <laughs> That's a cool thought, but it's a completely different. <laughs> yeah, it podcast. sounds a lot cooler than it is because what ghost writing <laughs> really is is you know writing with uh, you know writing books for others. And uh, anyway, Kent is very successful in that, and we had a great conversation with him recently about his transition from pastoral ministry into full time ghost writing. And uh, we're gonna he's gonna share how you or any other pastor could move into that line of work as a side hustle or even as a full time source of income. So. Without any further ado, let's cut to this interview we did with Kent Sanders. Check this out. Kent Sanders, welcome to the Entree Pastors podcast, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, and I uh, appreciate you guys having me on to the legendary Entree Pastors podcast, <laughs> the show that I have heard about and seen all over the internet for quite a while now. So oh my it's goodness. an honor hey, to be on. I love from it. Your, from your lips to God's ears, man, may it be so. <laughs> Amen. That, would, yes. that would be awesome. 
Well, man, John and I have been looking forward to our conversation with you today. So um, if we could, let's just start out by hearing what your world is like today. I know that there's been a lot of uh, transitioning in, in years past. We'll get to that. But I'd really like for our listeners to hear about what your life is like right now, because there is some ministry and uh, some uh, church-related um, vocational things involved there too, but I want us to start with where you are now, and then we'll reverse engineer things and and look back a little bit. Sure, that sounds fantastic. Well, okay. where my world is right now is, I would say seventy five to eighty percent of my job is being a full time ghostwriter. Actually, that phrase makes no sense at all now that I think about what I just said. But anyway, this isn't a mathematics podcast. This is an entree <laughs> pastor podcast. That's right. So. Um, so yeah, primarily I'm a full-time ghostwriter. What that means is I write books for leaders, entrepreneurs, and people who want to tell their story. And that can take the shape of, of a memoir type of a project. That can be a straight up nonfiction kind of a book. It can really be a different range of things, but that's what I primarily spend most of my time doing. The other, I would say 20% of my job is I run a daily podcast called The Daily Writer. And I also run a membership community called The Daily Writer Community. And I really love that side of what I do because... I get to filter, filter into and encourage and, and help teach and train writers for their own books. And some of those people are doing client work like I am as well. It's kind of like what they say about pastors, you know, once a pastor, always a pastor. And I would say once a teacher, always a teacher. And I've done both of those roles. And I have a strong impulse to help teach others the things that I have learned and I'm still learning every day. So I love being able to not just do client work, but also use that teaching and pastoral uh, part of myself to filter into the community. So primarily my whole life is about books vocationally. Mm. And, uh, I spend all my day, all my days thinking about books, writing books, uh, editing books and whatever's related to books. That's pretty much what I do. So, and yeah. I don't know that there's any percentage associated with this, but I'd say the vast majority of pastors are readers. Many of them are, are writers, um, more and more, I mean, leader, they have to be readers regarding not only theology and sermon preparation, but also leadership and, and management right, and right. navigating change. I mean, we've, we're constant learners. Many pastors or people with ministry backgrounds have a spiritual gift of, of knowledge yes. or a spiritual gift of teaching, which is why we are sponges. And one of the reasons that we really have been looking forward to having this conversation is that, you know, I'm, I'm, um, have been introduced to the ghostwriting world myself. So I'm a, I'm a more recent convert, but have am seeing some success in that world. And I have been pleasantly surprised. And I guess re really almost shocked Kent that this world is just now becoming uh, apparent to me because I've personally known ghostwriters in the past. I mean, prolific ones that I've known, Ghostwriter, one particular ghostwriter that was a mentor of mine, you know, 15 years ago, hmm. but I never just considered that as a potential revenue source, significant revenue source for me. It just wasn't in my, in my world, but it, but it is now. And so I know that there are people that are out there that are a part of our tribe, part of the group that we're talking about. And because maybe communicating comes so sec so uh, I'll say easily naturally to many of them they take it they take for granted 
that it's just that way for everybody, and it is not. And there are many people. So if you would speak to the speak to the fact that there are so many people that have a message that they want to get out, but because of the nature of the beast, they certainly don't have time to you know do, sit in the chair and and crank it out, or to do so would take away from them being on stages or doing the work that really brings in revenue into their own world. And it's, it's, and, and they're not a very, they wouldn't be a very good writer on top of it. So the product is better. They can do it more quickly and they can continue doing the thing that they really need to be doing kind of their zone of genius and then pay you or someone like you to actually produce the book. It's still their content. It's still their material, but it's just what you do or what a ghostwriter does. So I, Speak to that if you would. Sure. Well, you've really hit the nail on the head. There are people out there who, I mean, I, I guess just to, to speak it really plainly, there are a lot of people out there who have more money than time. And those are the people who really, I think as a ghostwriter, I'm looking to serve. It's people who have the income that they want to spend on hiring a professional ghostwriter to put together a book for them, but they don't have the time or the, the inclination to do it. They don't enjoy writing. Maybe they don't have the talent for writing. They, they don't really think in terms of having to sit down and spend, you know, a couple hundred hours organizing and writing a book and crafting it and doing interviews and all those kinds of things. A lot of pastors, that kind of stuff comes very naturally to us. We went to school for that. Uh, many of us, from the time we were little kids, we loved being in books and in content and in sermons and preaching and, and lessons and all that stuff. But there are a lot of people out there, particularly in the business community, who that's not something they enjoy or are particularly good at. And they are happy to pay somebody to sit down and help extract knowledge and wisdom and insights and stories from their life, bake that into a really well-crafted book so that they can get their message out there. And I tell people all the time, uh, particularly prospective clients, why should you spend all your time writing a book when you've got way more important things to do? You've got, you've got your own clients you need to connect with. You need to be out there marketing. If you're a CEO or a CFO or a C whatever, you know, you're, in, you're in charge of some really important things. And many of those people are, are over tons of people. They have big budget companies they're running or divisions. The last thing they need to be spending their time doing is sitting down and trying to suffer through putting together this book when they're not really gifted with that. They, don't, they have no desire to do it. So that's where people like us, like ghostwriters come in, where we can take those stories and knowledge and wisdom, and we can, we can relatively quickly think about those things and figure out a way to organize it and position it to help that person get more of what they want in their business or their life or, or whatever the goal of the project is. So there does kind of exist this, you know, among writers, there exists kind of this um, surprise that not everybody enjoys writing. But, you know, writing is, is the same thing as anything else. Not everybody likes it or is good at it or enjoys it. I'm not a particular big sports person. My brother, on the other hand, is a huge sports person. He goes to tons of St. Louis Cardinals games. He knows all the players. Um, you know, <laughs> recently we had, and I'm going to show my ignorance here. I'm sure you guys probably know this. There was a, a player who recently came back to the Cardinals. What was his name? Was it Molina? Or was it? You know more than me, know. man. You're already I don't even know who it was. <laughs> I don't know. It was a guy who used to play for the Cardinals. He came back to St. Louis after like 10 years being gone. Everybody in St. Louis is going nuts. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize he left. 
you know i just <laughs> right. don't pay attention to that right. but in the writing world it's the same way yeah. not everybody is into writing and there are a lot of people out there who are thrilled to pay a writer to come in and and do the work that do the work that they need to have done but they're going to do it a lot faster and a lot more efficiently and do you think it's fair to say or it's accurate to say that people most people in the public would be surprised to find out how many books actually have a ghostwriter behind them. <laughs> yes, that's true. I have, I, and less, I'm sure you the same way. I have this conversation um, sometimes in multiple times per week with people, because as soon as you throw the word ghostwriter out there, people are always intrigued by it. They're interested in what, what it means. And they're shocked to learn that not everybody writes their own book. Mm-hmm. And I'd always kind of crack up at that because I didn't know either until I got into this world. But it's true. Nobody knows the real number. I've seen different stats, but none of them can possibly be accurate because by definition, what we do is kind of a hidden thing. Right. But I would venture to say a pretty large chunk of, of books, um, even, even a lot of fiction books, are ghostwritten. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of people know this about me, Kent, but I have a pen name. It's Rick Warren. So I've written a few <laughs> things. Um, don't tell anybody that, okay? I, I need to keep we'll my we'll, identity. We'll edit that out. Yeah. My question is, where do you keep all your money from those book <laughs> I, royalties? That I can't tell you. So, no, <laughs> hey, this is awesome. I want to keep talking about ghostwriting, but if I can, I want to back up just a minute, Kent, in your story, because I'd like to hear a little bit of your journey into pastoral ministry mm-hmm. and then maybe out of some of many in our audience have a foot in both worlds. They're, they serve as pastors and entrepreneurs or business owners of some sort. We have others in our community that have made that same transition or desire to make that same transition completely out of pastoral ministry and fully into that. So I'd just like to hear a little bit of your story. What did that look like for you? So when I was a kid, I always assumed that I would be a pastor. I never, for a second, up until I went to college, really, I never considered doing anything else. I thought I was going to be a preaching pastor because I came from a small church in Southern Missouri the only pastor that I knew of, the only kind of pastor was a preacher. Our church just had one preacher. So I just assumed that's what I was going to go do. I felt uh, a very deep and distinct calling to go do that. Went to college to go do that. I found out that I was decent at preaching, but I didn't particularly enjoy it. But then I got involved in music in, in college quite heavily. And so instead of being a preaching pastor, I actually went to be a worship pastor at a church in Northern Illinois did that until I was about 29. I loved it. Uh, I found out I had a real gifting in that area. And then I went to teach that same area, worship and music ministry at the college level in St. Louis, where I had gone to school previously and did that job for about 10 years and got really, I would say, really burned out on that. And sometimes I tell people, you know, there's a reason why in many churches that have modern music where you have you know, you have a lot of media stuff going on. You have a worship band, you have all kinds of production things happening. There's oftentimes a reason why you don't see worship leaders who are older than like 37 or 38. And one of those reasons is that it is a really tough job emotionally. It's very tiring and exhausting to be involved in that on a week, on a weekly basis. Anybody who's listening to this right now, who's involved in worship and music ministry at their church will know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you're basically creating a production every single week, sometimes multiple times a week if you have more than one service. So I found that I just got really burnt out on that. As much as I, you know, of course, love Jesus, love God, and, and it was not a spiritual thing. I was just tired of doing that job. 
Fortunately, the school where I was teaching allowed me to transition out of that into more of a teaching role that had to do with communications and and writing and teaching courses on storytelling and film and some things like that. And so I switched into that role. And around the same time, I just, um, I really kind of looked around at the higher education landscape and I looked around at our college and our enrollment wasn't growing. In fact, it was going the opposite direction. And I knew that I really needed to kind of figure out what my next step was going to be, whatever that was going to consist of. So I looked around at my options and I, at that time, I began to listen to podcasts by guys like Dan Miller, um, who has been so influential on so many other people as well with his 48 Days to the Work You Love book and many mm-hmm. other things. I began to read books by people like Jeff Goins, and I listened to podcasts by a guy named Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man, and all those kinds of people, and really became inspired by that. And I began to see that I could potentially create my own business if I could figure out what I wanted to do and how I would go about it. So I just started doing that, going to conferences, reading books about those kinds of things and doing some freelance work. And my very first freelance job was writing podcast show notes for a client. Mm. And I found out that I really liked it. And it was really cool getting paid to do that, even though it wasn't very much money. I thought, wow, this is kind of cool because you can create your own thing on the side, just like Dan Miller had been talking about all this time. And really, it just kind of built up from there. And about three years ago, came across some material by a guy named Nick Pavlidis. And he was talking about how ghostwriting can change your life. And I took his course and just did what he said and started telling people I was building a ghostwriting business. And then it just kind of grew from there. Now, one thing I do want to add in there, because all this sounds like it may have been sort of planned out and everything, but it really wasn't. I kind of just stumbled into this, to be totally honest with you. But I did find that all the things that I had been doing all along, like writing my own books, like doing a podcast, networking and connecting with people, all those things really were helpful when it came time to focus on building a ghostwriting business specifically, because ghostwriting isn't just necessarily typing words and giving a word document back to the client. There's a lot of networking involved with it. There's a lot of uh, listening skills that are involved in a lot of knowing how to structure a book and all those kinds of things. So I found out that all the things that I had as my background as, as being a pastor and a college professor, as well as the things that I was doing, like freelance writing and podcasting and writing my own stuff, all those things really came in handy when it, time to, when it came time to build a ghostwriting business. So it was kind of an intentional journey. I'm really thankful for ghostwriting because that allowed me to really focus in on one specific kind of service for clients and allowed me to build a full-time business around that. But I did make a lot of mistakes along the way, and I had a lot of help from a lot of people. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, there was a lot of twists and turns for sure. I want to go back just another quick second um, and and have you speak to this. So you grew up in a traditional small church setting. You had really just one picture in your mind of what it meant or looked like to be a pastor, and and you went into that. So I'm I'm curious was there any like mindset stuff that you had to wrestle through when you were at that point of just being worn out ready for a new season you know to your point about the worship leaders that you never see them you know rarely see the older ones I always mm-hmm. just thought that was cuz the skinny jeans didn't really work on that generation <laughs> That's but, part of it But no yeah, seriously yeah, yeah when you're at that point of and I've been there like I've been there done that that's part of my story too of just being emotionally exhausted in in the ministry and not, you know, not tired of it necessarily, but just ready for something new. But did you have to work through any kind of mindset 
stuff or limiting beliefs that said, man, you can't do this. You can't quit the ministry. Oh, uh, every day. I mean, radically, I had to work through it. It's something I still wrestle with, to be honest with you. Because once you're in the church slash ministry world there, and I, I think you're, and this is so much fun being on this podcast because because your listeners understand this on a on a level that most other most other people don't because you're in this world all the time mm-hmm. is that when you're in the church world there's kind of an unspoken message that you should never make too much money and that you really shouldn't have anything kind of beyond sort of a living wage and and people who who make more money than that or aspire to build something bigger than working for an employer or working for church that that's kind of bad and and Many times in the church world, this, there's kind of this like collective agreement that none of us are really going to try very hard. Yeah. We're all going to just kind of be content with whatever life gives us. And, and there kind of came a point where I just sort of got tired of that, to be honest with you. And I became frustrated by that. Yeah. And then I saw people over here like Dan Miller, going back to him, that, that looked at what he did very much as a ministry. And he was doing very well financially. And he gave a lot of money away and was very generous. And I was like, man maybe there's a different way to kind of approach this whole ministry thing Yes, that allowed me to have a better financial future for my family to have more financial security, but that also was, was a way that I could serve people and talk to people about Jesus and have spiritual conversations. And I've been really surprised to learn in the past couple of years, as I have done various book projects that I've had more conversations about spiritual matters the last couple of years, probably than I have the previous 20 years, because I've been, way more out and about it and kind of like the general public and the business world and so forth. Yes. That has been really, really surprising to me, to be honest with you. Yeah. Wow, I love it. I heard somebody say one time, it's sort of like being salt and light. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, how about that? All right. Go back then, if you would, to those, those times that you were making that transition. So we're talking about uh, what you said, three years, right? I mean, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Where you really were intentional about it and said, right. all right, this, this is going to go. So how did that look? Cause we're, we're talking to some people that are, they're like ready to make something happen. They're action right. takers. They just don't want to get out there and take, they want, they don't mind taking a leap of faith, but they don't want to jump off a cliff either. You know what I mean? Without a, exactly. without a net. So how did you kind of build that off ramp and I, I would I would suspect that there was a transitional time there. So how did you balance all of that? What kind of rhythm was there to your week? And I, I'd just be curious even to hear a little bit about maybe a, a current rhythm to your week, because I know there's a lot of things that you do and how you block out that time, um, you know, to to kind of work on your craft now. So how sure. did you, when you were, you, you didn't come from, when, when you were at a, the, uh, the university at the college, were you still, were you also serving a church at that time or were you a full-time professor? No, I was a full-time professor. There were a few stints in there during my teaching career where I did part-time ministries at churches. And I always, I always really enjoyed those. Mm-hmm. Honestly, part of the reason why I enjoyed them, this, I probably shouldn't say this on this podcast, but one of the reasons that I enjoyed those part-time ministries was I could go in and kind of do my thing and then I could, that could be done for the week. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like I was there at the church every day. There was, yeah. there was something to me that was really fun about, Hey, I've got this really specific thing. I've got to go in and maybe it's leading worship. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll plan the worship for like, you know, a month at a time and then go in and do it. And then, then I'm kind of done. And I really kind of enjoyed that. Um, there was something really fun about just 
just like being an interim pastor or a part-time pastor or something. So uh, how long it, did it, how long did it take you then? I, I kind of know the answer to this, which is why I'm asking, but not specifically like to the day. So how long did it actually take you to replace that? I'm sure, I'm sure humongous, like gaudy <laughs> salary that mm. you were making at the, uh, at a Christian college. It was, level. It was vast. It was yes. a vastly huge. Of no, of course it wasn't. So, well, the way that I approached this was a, uh, I approached this in a very systematic way. So one thing that was really important to me is, is if I was going to make a transition away from that job into having my own business, it was very important that my wife feel comfortable with this. And of course, anybody who's married understands that dynamic. You want your spouse to feel comfortable and supported and financially secure. So really I had two criteria. Uh, well, actually three. So the first thing in the criteria was my wife had to be okay with when I was going to leave and with whatever our, our state was financially or security wise or whatever, she had to give me the thumbs up. That was priority number one. Second of all, when I left my job, we had to follow the, in my own mind, I wanted to make sure and follow the Dave Ramsey thing, which is have three to six months of expenses saved up, which I, which we did. So that was criteria number two. And then number three was that I, I had to be making, uh, again, this is my own rule, is that I had to be making at least as much as I was making my college job in my side business for me to be able to step down. And I had to be doing that for six months consistently. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, and my wife agreed with all this, if I had been making, if I'd been matching my college salary for six months and we had another three to six months saved up, then that was kind of a proof of concept that this was a viable thing and that I had enough regular client work to keep us going. And I feel very comfortable with that. Um, so that's, that's exactly how I approached it, honestly. Because to me, if those things were true, then that meant I did have a viable business. So there was really no leap of faith about it other than just faith that it would continue. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a detailed, systematic, kind of a, a logical rational type of a person. So I didn't want any surprises. I didn't want to be one of those people who quits their job and then they look around the next day and go, okay, what now, Lord? You know, I mean, I I have faith, but I think a lot of times we, this is just my opinion, of course, but I think a lot of times we kind of misunderstand the idea of faith in the sense of, to me, faith is not necessarily about doing something stupid and hope God, hoping God rescues you. I think to me, faith is understanding that, okay, God has given me intelligence. He's given people around me intelligence. He's given me mentors and a wife who's really smart. And faith is is trusting that those people have inputted insight into my life too. So if these are the people in my life trust that I'm making a good decision, if my if my client load, if those people trust that I'm providing them a service that's worth paying for, if my spouse trusts in this process, then then I think we're going to be okay. So there's an element to this where, yeah, there obviously is faith, but, but to me, it doesn't necessarily mean you just take a complete leap of faith without any evidence that that something is going to be there. Yeah. Well, and you've mentioned that, you know, what you do takes time. It does take time, you know? So how did you fit that into the margins when you still had a, probably a, a growing family and, you know, a demanding career and, you know, life was happening. So how did you, how did you do that instead of procrastinating until the time was there? Because it's never really there. Well, that's a good question. 
so I did a, a podcast episode on my show. This has been probably six or eight months ago. And I titled it a 10 year overnight success. Mm. And I titled it and I just had like an hour long episode about this. I don't usually do long sort of solo episodes a lot of the times, but, but I wanted to talk about on that episode, how a lot of people have been intrigued by my transition the last year or two from being a college professor to a ghostwriter. But I think what, what to me was really more interesting is that, you know, back in let's, I'm just going to pull a a year out of my hat back in 2015, you know, when I was up till one or 2 AM producing a podcast or doing client work or writing show notes or blogging or, uh, you know, replying to emails, helping people with their writing stuff. Whenever I was doing those things, nobody was really intrigued by it because it wasn't that exciting, but it was those things in that consistent work for years, really it started back in 2012. And I, and I picked the, I went back 10 years because that's when I went to a conference called right to the bank that was putting, that was put on by Dan Miller. That really got this whole thing kind of started. Mm -hmm. So the way that I fit it into the margins is I just, I just fit it in. You know, I would stay up late. I would get up early. I would use breaks sometimes in my, in my college day to do, to do things here and there to write. Now, one thing that was unique to my situation, which I know not everybody will have this opportunity, but I also used my college courses to help me learn skills that I knew would come in handy in business. Uh, for example, I, I would oftentimes pitch courses to our academic dean on writing or storytelling or film or, uh, gosh, I did a course called Writing for Publication. I did a course on... Uh, that was called communication technology for ministry, where I was basically taking all the things I was learning about podcasting and media and writing. And I wanted to frame that for our college students who were preparing for ministry to help them learn some of these things too. So I tried to really use my college. I, and I, I didn't, I, I never took advantage of anything. You know, I, I never felt like I was doing that, but yeah. I thought, well, if I could somehow merge these two things in, in some form or fashion, that would be pretty cool. So I tried to position things in my day job to where I was learning and integrating the things where I was doing my side business. Mm-hmm. And I know not everybody can do that, but I think in a, in a church, in a church ministry kind of situation, there's a lot of cool things that you can do to use the skills that you're learning in your side business and, and use those in a ministry situation and vice versa. No doubt. I don't think necessarily, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, the two are not the same thing. I'm not saying that, but, but I do think there can be some overlap if you, if you want there to be, depending on the situation, of course. Kent, I, I totally agree with that. That's one of the messages that we proclaim often here at Entree Pastors is that pastors, by the very nature of the work of what pastoring is, have a skill set that can take them in a lot of different directions oh my out in the marketplace. And it's also Absolutely. one of the biggest limiting beliefs that many pastors have when they think about thriving financially out in the marketplace that, you know, there's this limiting belief that rises up saying, well, I don't, what would I do? I'm just a pastor, you know? <laughs> so speak to that. You know, what, what would you say to that pastor that's wrestling with that belief right now? Well, so I would say two things. Number one is I would say every job is basically the same. Now, is the guy who's driving a, a Caterpillar tractor or whatever uh, on a job site, on a job construction site, is that the same, same job as being a therapist in an office? No, but it is the same job in terms of you are trying to help somebody with a problem that they have. You're trying to problem solve. Every job is, is ultimately about problem solving. 
And pastors are exceptional at problem solving. I mean, think about all the fires and problems that you have to deal with on a weekly basis. You're doing counseling, you're planning services, you're putting together messages, you're teaching, you're visiting people, you're doing hospital calling, uh, you're dealing with staff issues, you're going to, to board meetings, you're dealing with the cranky elder or the cranky person who doesn't like the drums or whatever it is. I mean, I can't think of any other job, maybe except for the president <laughs> of the United States, who deals with such a wide variety of problems on a almost a, on a daily basis. So all those skills that you have as a pastor, you know, negotiation, um, communication, dealing with all kinds of personalities, leadership in a staff situation, all those things are exactly what you use in any kind of an organization or a business. It's really not that different. Yeah. I mean, if you think of uh, why do so many pastors, when they leave a church situation, why do they go into sales positions? Just because, you know, sales is just persuasion. It's, it's figuring out how do you communicate value to someone mm -hmm. with whatever product or service you're trying to sell. I mean, that's, isn't that really kind of what preaching is? You're communicating Absolutely. value. You're, you're persuading, you're convincing, you're communicating. To me, it's all basically the same thing. It's just in a different context. Yeah. Very well said. So here's a question specifically to ghostwriting. Um, and I'm not asking you to tell me how much you make financially right now, but what could someone expect if there's a pastor out there thinking, man, this sounds interesting. I've got the, you know, I've got the skill set that I could do that. I think what's a reasonable salary or amount of income that a pastor could expect as a beginning ghostwriter, maybe as a more experienced ghostwriter, like how, what would you say to that? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. And I would say it really, it really does not depend on your writing skills so much as it depends on your networking and marketing skills. And I think success in ghostwriting is not really necessarily just about the writing. It's about who you know and getting connected with the right people who are willing to pay you what you feel like you're worth as a ghostwriter. So, uh, but just to answer specifically your question, I would say a, a good rate for a very, very beginning ghostwriter for a book project is somewhere probably between five and 10,000. I'm sorry. Five and fifteen thousand dollars. That's sort of considered like the very, very low end of professional ghostwriting. Five thousand in particular is it's really, really low. But I say that with the caveat that you have to start somewhere. We all have to start somewhere. And I think if you're interested in ghostwriting, the first and foremost, most important thing is getting that first book project under your belt. So you can get some experience, you can get a testimonial from a client. You can just figure out what in the heck you're doing because having not done this before, you have a million questions, but just getting that project under your belt, I think is really key. And really once you build it up from there, I mean, I would say the, the range for professional ghostwriting who, for professional ghostwriters who have been doing it for a while and have a good track record, I would say a, a pretty standard rate is somewhere between 40 and 60,000 per book. That's fairly standard. Then it can easily go up from there, depending on who you know and what kind of projects you're doing. Uh, if you get into celebrity projects, those obviously could mm. could potentially pay higher, but not necessarily. Yeah. You might be surprised at <clears throat> the some of the ghostwriting projects that I know about, where the writers were not even really paid that much, yeah. um, and the advance for the celebrity was not even that much. So it totally just depends on the project. Yeah. 
Well, I've got one other question that I'm going to save for our backstage, but I'll, I'll say it now and you can be thinking about it until, until we all join up in the backstage area. But it's this. I'm going to ask you if you had maybe just one piece of advice, if you want to throw in a few bonus ones, that's fine as well. But to a pastor who is wanting to get started down this road, if they're interested and they say, man, how do I get going here? Where do I start? What would you say to that pastor that wants to get started in ghostwriting? So don't answer that now. We'll go backstage with that question. But uh, to close this out, unless Les has anything, I was just going to ask you to tell us a little bit more about your podcast and where people can find that and how they can connect with you and, you know, maybe ways that you can serve our audience if if they want to reach out. Sure. So... Uh, I think I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, I have two sides to my business. One is the ghostwriting side, which is kind of the bulk of what I do. The other side of it is where I get to help and train writers. And that is, of course, through my daily writer podcast, which is a, a daily show, as the title suggests. And that show is all about helping writers develop mindset and habits and creativity for success in their writing life, whether they're doing client work or whether they're doing their own books or whatever it is they're doing. And I love doing that show. It's one of the highlights of my, my week, putting that show together. And I typically do an interview, one or two interviews per week. And then I do little short episodes during the week, typically. And um, I really, really enjoy that. So I have the podcast. And then I also have a membership community called the Daily Writer Community. And that is where people can come and they can get help and support with their writing goals. It's not really a community where necessarily we all sort of look at each other's writing and evaluate it and, and that kind of a thing. Although that does happen sometimes, but really it's a, it's a community where you can come and I think of it as the, um, you guys will remember the show Cheers from the eighties, probably, you know, the place where everybody knows your name. You walk in and people are like Norm, you know, because you walk in the door and everybody there knows who you are. This community is kind of like that where you come and people know who you are. We know what your goals are. And we know what you're trying to accomplish with your writing. And we support that through weekly writing sprints, which uh, that's where we get on Zoom, just like we're doing now. And we don't work on the stuff together, but we check in and see what our goals are and we problem solve. And then also we have a guest expert call once a week. Sometimes I do a call. Sometimes I bring in other people to do calls on all kinds of different topics related to writing. But uh, yeah, essentially that's, that's kind of the two things that I do is ghostwriting and the daily writer. And then people can find out more about that by going to dailywriterlife.com. And they can find out more about me by going to my personal website, which is kentsanders.net. Awesome. Well, we will link to those in the show notes. And as you were speaking, I just went and subscribed to your podcast, The Daily Writer. So I'm excited to to listen to that. So Kent, it's been a pleasure, man. I'm going to turn it over to Les. Les, you can finish it up in any way you want, my friend. Yeah, well, I'll just echo what John had said in our gratitude, Kent. I, I, I really believe that this is so valuable for many people in our community, many, many listeners, because I know sort of the, 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 you know, the behind the scenes part of this world as well. Please listen to me now, people. This is something, if you're, if you're looking for something that can really make a difference and make an impact in terms of arriving at your goals of you know, financial freedom, time flexibility in your world, seriously look into ghostwriting um, or something related to it because it can, it can really make that big a difference. We've certainly seen that. I've seen it. And Kent, I appreciate you sharing uh, your story. And uh, really and truly, what an 
an entree pastor life can look like. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's been totally my pleasure. All right. Well, good stuff from Kent Sanders. Hey, for those of you that are part of our premium backstage pass, uh, stick around because when the show is done here in just a few minutes, we'll go into the backstage with Kent and have a great conversation, continue the conversation with him there. Uh, Les, man, if someone was interested in writing a book, we have a lot to offer pastors here at Entree Pastors who have a desire to write a book. What are some of the resources that you might point them to if they're wanting to write a book? Maybe they're in the middle of writing a book. What, what would you say to that author, that pastor that mm-hmm. wants to be a potential author someday? Yeah, and, and this is um, this is something that we've really, in a short amount of time, we've produced a lot of resources. We've masterclasses and webinars and content. So just to get started, though, you know, as you start approaching a publisher, they like things very clear and, and systematic so that they can see it on a page, really what you and what the book that you're writing are all about. So to help kind of serve as a roadmap or a guide for that, we have a free resource that is a, a book writing, really writing a book proposal template. So it's a template for writing a book proposal. Just very basic there each publisher might have a little nuance to what they request but this template basically covers the different components that that about any publisher would ask for when you submit something for a book so if you'd like that we have um, a resource for you so if you'll just go to entrepastors.com forward slash book proposal is that right john that's correct book proposal and uh, you can grab that free download And then also, I I just want you to know about uh, our relationship with a publisher, Morgan James Publishing. We have an imprint of that publishing company. It's called Entree Pastors Press, and we have the ability to help bring pastors to Morgan James Publishing through our imprint, right, and uh, help them get published as authors. And so if that is something you're interested in, I would point you to reach out and have a conversation with Les about that. You can shoot Les an email, les at entrepastors.com, but he will uh, can point you in the right direction and get you started down that road. So yes, we believe that for many pastors, writing is just a natural offshoot of the skill set that they have, and there's a lot of opportunity waiting for them down that road. So anything else you want to add to that, Les, before we sign really off good. today? Yeah, I, I would just say we're very serious about that. So if you have a, a book in you, or maybe you have something that's written, maybe you've turned some a, a sermon series into a, a book of some kind, just email me at les.entrepastors.com. We'll jump on a call, and I want to hear about it. And it could be that there's an introduction wait, awaiting you to um, talk to a publisher about it. Fantastic. Well, that's been fun hanging out with you. I can't wait to see you down in Florida later this week as we hang out with our mastermind. By the way, in October, I know this is a long ways out, but we will be actually hanging out with our mastermind, the Entree Pastors Mastermind down in Florida. So if that is of interest to you, you want to hang out with some like-minded pastors and entrepreneurial thinking people and do it in a cool environment, jump into our mastermind now. Reach out and uh, we can give you more details about what all that looks like and how to get involved there. So God bless each and every one of you guys. Thank you for being listeners. One final request before we sign off, if you would be so generous as to go leave a rating and review of this show, we would be super thankful for that. It helps it get in front of more people and puts it out there in front of more eyeballs and eardrums and all of that. So we would be thankful for that. And uh, God bless 
Can't wait to talk to you all next week. See you, Les. Bye-bye.